look like. That is how we do it. You're going to hear quite a bit about all that kind of stuff. Guys, we're starting, so go ahead and hit the clock. Uh, and thanks for getting my, uh, my PowerPoint up here, because i got to go to it here pretty quick. Um, do I have a clicker? I don't. Thank you. Yeah, I'm barely here. <laughs> we got, there was a big wedding, and then there was a whole bunch of people in town, and then there was, and then there was a memorial yesterday, Kathy Knox's mother, and so on, and it's just been, so I'll, I got a really fun sermon, and it's going to be really great, but I just want to tell you, okay, pray for me. Uh, so here we go. What I want to do is I want to say, now I'm, I'm asking this question soberly. I don't want you to just give your first reaction. I want you to think about the answer to this question, okay? I want, you to, I want you to think about, do you really want to grow to a much deeper level in Christ? Do you really want to do that? Now, if you're a Christian in here, you understand what I'm talking about. If you're not a Christian and you're here, welcome. It's great to have you here. You'll, you'll enjoy what we're going to do today. But the bottom line is, is the question that I'm asking of Christians is, do you really want, <coughs> do you really want to go much deeper in Christ? <coughs> Here's why I'm asking this in such a sort of awkward way. I want you to think about, there's a part of us, the Holy Spirit, that's made us new, that when I ask that question, immediately you say, of course I do, right, as a Christian. You ought to be saying that. If you're not saying that, we already got an issue, but hey. But the, but the point is, is that, yes, I want to do that. But then there's this other part of us. Paul talks about it. Jesus, it, it, it's very much there in us. And I want you to think about what a second that is. Thank you very much. You're awesome. We have such a great family and team, and it's awesome. But I just want you to think, here's what happens, is you really do... There's a part of you that really wants to do this, but there's another part that looks at, do I really want to go much deeper? You know, do I want to grow a little bit? Of course I do. But this whole idea of growing much deeper, of really upping my game, of really taking it to another place, frankly, that sounds like a lot of work, right? Sounds like a lot of stress. It sounds like, you know, frankly, I'm kind of happy right now. I'm kind of contented. I'm kind of doing okay. I'm like, you know, life is good, and can we not upset the apple cart? Can we just do, like, a couple little things and, like, call that good? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, after all, you know, to really grow deep in you, God, that's a lot of work. Now, that's not true at all, is it? That's absolutely the opposite of what's true. Think about it for a second. The God that created us, when he first made us, what did he create for us? Did he create a place where we had to do a lot of work? It was a garden. Everything that we wanted was there for the picking, literally. Everything that we needed was right there. There weren't even any weeds in there. So you didn't have to do any weeds. All you did was just sort of like hung out with God and ate. I'm thinking... If, if you want to know what God wanted, that's a pretty good way to, that's a pretty good place to start. You know what? Same thing in the end. Tell me, what verse is it in the Bible that talks about how much work being in heaven is? Right? Think about it. Where in the Bible does it say anything about all the work that we have to do in heaven? 
There was, by the way, there was a popular book that came out a few years back about what heaven was like, and they basically said, well, it's kind of like earth, only better. But you still have a job, you still have a house, you still drive a car, and you go to work and everything else. And I just went, first of all, I went, oh, God, I hope that's not true. <laughs> and, and the second thing that I knew was it's not true. It's not even remotely close to true. It's not at all what God talks about when he talks about heaven. Heaven is a place of rest, of peace, strife and tear and all of the effort, all the work, all the four-letter word of it, all of it's gone. So if the beginning is God giving us something that isn't work and the end is something that's not work, why do we think of the middle as all work? Well, because there is some work in here, right? We are fallen and there is something that we have to overcome. But do watch here. Watch. Um, I might not be hooked up. I don't know what I'm doing, but click for me. Summoning the crowd, along with the disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to be my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now there's the work part, right? But we can't have just that scripture without remembering this one. Take my yoke upon you. Now listen to what he says. Let me teach you. Let me grow you. Let me increase you. Let me do this stuff. Look, I'm humble and gentle. Not work for a letter word, you know, crushing you, right? Even though it kills you, but you know, it's like a good death. And you'll find, but look what he says, you'll find rest for your souls. When you let me teach you, the end is not a bunch of work. It's rest. It's peace. It's the fulfillment of who he made you to be. So it's awesome. You want to know what's hard work? This world and trying to maintain and prop up all the stuff we have to do in this world. Making a mortgage payment. Showing up at work on Monday morning. That's hard. Okay? There's a lot of work in this world and you've got to prop up all kinds of stuff in this world when what God is trying to do is to get you to a place of rest. My yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. You want to really go deeper in God? We think of it as work. Here's what he thinks of it as. Freedom. Rest. Set you free from the things that are burdening you down, that are weighing you down. You see, we've got it all. You know, I, I think of Dana Carvey at moments like this when he did the church lady. And he would say, could it be Satan? You know? He just gets us twisted up. And he gets us going exactly backwards. Right? Growing in Christ is not hard. Here's the physical metaphor for growing in Christ. Growing. How hard was it to grow from a baby to your size, Phil? How hard was that? How much effort did you put into that growing stuff? My parents put a lot of effort in. <laughs> he said, my parents put a lot of effort in. But, you know, to grow is natural. To grow is just what we do. It's not hard, it's easy. There's the same things in there, we all get it. There are some valleys of the shadow of death because we are selfish and we are fallen and there are some valleys of the shadow of death. But do remember in the whole psalm that talks about the valley of the shadow of death, you know what's in the rest of it, right? I lead you beside still waters and green pastures, okay? And I put you in a table that's in the midst of your enemies, the things that used to confront you, and now your head's anointed with oil and your cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Not hard work and effort. 
Think about it. Something's gone wrong in our heads when we think about growing in Christ. And can I tell you what I think it is? I think it's the church. I really do. I think that there's something about how a church has to do what it does that turns discipleship into something that is, you know, here's, here's the way that churches disciple people. We set up a series of classes, series of experiences, series of things, and then everybody goes through, everybody's got to go through them because we can't tailor make to everybody their own little thing, right? So we've got to somehow get everybody grouped together and we've got to put everybody through our discipleship process. And, and how much of that is actually of value to you personally? There is some, right? But it's a percentage. And the rest of it is like, why am I doing this? This doesn't seem to be valuable to me. I've already got that. This is good in me. There's other things I need to work on, and those we skip over. Hey, think about how Jesus, think about how the church disciples, which is sort of cattle mill, you know, you know running them through, right? And then think about how Jesus disciples. What does he do that's different than what a church does? It's every single person, individually, personally. That area in which you personally, fingerprintedly, uniquely need growth, gently, lovingly, humbly, easy yoke, burden light, but he walks you through that, doesn't he? He walks you through what you need to do. And so, yeah, there's some work in it. But it doesn't seem like work because the benefit comes when you get to the other side and now you're free from it and now you've grown and you're going, I get that there was some heart in that, but wow, there was all kinds of good in that and I'm willing to do that again. So you see, here's what we're willing to sign up for. Here's what God wants us to do. An individualized, personal journey. Let me say it another way. One tailor-made for you. And that's different than the one that's tailor-made for you, and different than the one Taylor made for you. Do you see it? If church can't do that, because you've got to run everybody through the cattle mill, then that's the problem. We need to start discipling the way Christ disciples. We, don't, we need to join Christ in the discipleship process that he's got you in in the journey, right? This is what we're supposed to be doing, isn't it? So we're going to do something that is four years, actually six years in the making, and it's coming to fruition in a way, just the very beginnings of it. But I just want to tell you something. This is one of the most important Sundays in this church's history. We're doing something that I, I talked to a friend of mine. He's, he was the number two guy at Foursquare, uh, I said, I've got this image that we're not discipling properly in church, and what we need to do is we need to make it personal. We need to work with people one-on-one. -on -one. And this is a very... And he said, I've been a minister for, I think he said, 30-some years. And he said, I cannot believe that I never thought of that. It was Jared Roth, for those of you who know him, because he's just a great guy. And he said, I cannot believe. And if you know Jared, he's very much about people. And he went, I cannot believe that I've pastored all these years and it never occurred to me that we were supposed to be doing this. 
And then, he, and then he said, just like I've been saying, he said, if you look at the world, that's the way the world's going. Gyms go to personal trainers. Weight Watchers goes to personal coaches. But what the world is learning, the way to make people grow is not to put them all through the same thing. One size does not fit all. Here's what one size fits. Nobody. Yep. <laughs> right? Your size fits you. And then when we're supposed to be tailoring to you, we're supposed to be joining Christ in the work that he's trying to do in you. So we're going to start a, a beta program today. It means not everybody's going to be in it. But wait till you hear what God's doing and everything that we're doing with it. So with that said, who's our prayer? I can't read it. Oh, Chantel. Wow, what a perfect person to be doing, to be praying for this particular sermon. That's because of all the work that she's actually done on this project behind the scenes for years. And just your heart for it. So pray for the sermon. Pray for the church. Pray for another church. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful for your heart that is always for us, that cares for us, that protects us, that guides us, that loves us, that has held nothing back from us and from communicating your desire to know us, to be with us. Um, God forgive us that we've responded that I've responded in fear and distrust and, and have been selfish and tried to live life myself. God, I just recognize that when, when you are Lord, it's so much easier. <laughs> and so, God, I just ask that you be Lord of our lives, be Lord of this church, be Lord of this service, be Lord of discipling us and, and helping us to help each other find you. Because at the end of the day, knowing you is absolutely all that matters. Amen. And we want to know, and we want you to say that you know us when we get to heaven. And so, God, I just pray for all the churches in Bellevue, but in particular, um, Bellevue Prez, that they would come to know you also today in a greater way. And I pray that... All the stuff that's in Kurt's mind would just flow out, and by your spirit, you would just flow through him. Amen. And that, and that your presence and your spirit and your words and your power would come forth today. Make us one with you and with other, that the world would know Thank you, you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Great prayer. Love, Belprez. All right, now. That's a bellwether church in our area. The things that they've done for our community is enormous and help lead churches and everything else. All right, so now I want to apologize to people who come to church here regularly and have been for some length of time because in the last four or five weeks that I've been preaching, I have been bringing up some things that you might have heard before. And I really hope that I brought them up in contexts that were important and led to new places and so on. I think I've done that for the most part. But there has been, let's just be clear, this is the time of year that we like to try and lay a foundation. This is the beginning of the year, really, for most people, particularly in the Northwest. Coming out of the summer, it's this time of year that people start getting serious again about their faith and start growing. Lay foundations that you can then build on for the rest of the year. So we've had to go over some material and say some things, and today will be the last sermon like that. Next week, we're onward, upward, we're on 
We're off to the races again on other things, but this is September, and we're building foundations in September, so you're going to hear, if you've been here, this story before, and I will try and do it as briefly as possible and as entertainingly as possible so that I don't bore you, okay? For those of you who have not heard this story, that I need to tell it because you need to know what God has done in this body and what he's doing. Because when we know what he's done and what he's doing, we know where he's going, we know how to go, stay with him, and we will grow with him, right? So let me just briefly go over this. Uh, nine, 2008, before the housing bubble burst, uh, at that point in time, let me set the scene, uh, Lake Sam was doing very well. Uh, lots of people, lots of money, lots of staff. It seemed like things were going really well. I mean, the point is, before 2008, the church had a lot of money coming in. People had refinanced their homes. They felt wealthy. There was a lot of economic activity. People had money. They were giving a lot of money. And so there was a lot of money coming into churches, and the churches, in turn, were going out and hiring pastors and pastors and so on to help do ministries. And it really was nice because it made everything look really good. The people that were trained in it, paid for it, could devote all their time to it, were running ministries, and they looked great. They really did. It looked good. And it seemed like we were doing a good thing. Um, and like I said, it wasn't just like Sam. This was all over the place. And so I go out on a very nice, it was right about this, well, no, it was in the spring. But it was a nice day, you know. And so I'm out there, and it's kind of like, this is nice. Everything is nice, Right? And I'm like, this is cool, it's nice. And so, actually it was the summer. I'm out there walking, and all of a sudden, I'm not right, Mike, I can tell you, I go up to Viewcrest, which is this really nice neighborhood that's got a really great uh, vantage point. You can see the Olympics and the Cascades, and, or Cascades and Olympics. You can see everything, it's awesome. So I'm coming around, and I'm almost down to where I get back into the city, and I'm walking back towards our place. And right as I'm coming down to that part, all of a sudden the Lord says to me, I am desperately unhappy with the American church. And I kind of went, huh? <laughs> what was that? I mean, this was so out of, out of my mind. This wasn't even a remote possibility in my head. Things were good. Thanking him. This was kind of green pasture, still water time, right? I had no idea that he had a path that he was going to take us on that was, you know, shadow of death. So, so... I, I didn't know what that meant. I asked him. I went back out the next day and prayed about it, the next day and prayed about it, the next day. I just kept at it. I kept asking, what does this mean? And after about four or five days, it became really clear to me, and I was totally certain I was on good ground, that what he was talking about was, in fact, what he said was, is he said, discipleship is in the toilet. Discipleship is going down the drain. Now, at that point in time, you didn't find any research in that. If anything, like I say, all the research was telling us churches were doing great. Numbers were up. Giving was up. People were doing things. There was all this stuff that was happening, and it all looked good. Two years later, the research started coming out about what was happening and what was the whole bunch of churches that were being run by a whole bunch of professionals, and we had turned the church from an active body to a passive group of consumers and that's, we were, there, the numbers were increasing, but the problem was is people weren't learning anything. And two years later, all of a sudden, you surveys go out, and they would ask people, do you believe that Jesus is God? How important is that? Does that seem like it's important? I mean, to be a Christian, does it seem like it's important that you think Jesus is God? That seems kind of important to me, right? 
And yet you had churches that less than half the people in the church could say that. The most fundamental doctrines of the Christian church were being asked of people, and you had huge percentages of people that couldn't answer that. Jesus is the only way to God. All, you know, the Trinity, all this stuff. People didn't know anything. We, had, we'd, we were feeding them something that was making them feel real good and making them laugh, but they weren't growing. Not, not only were they not growing, it turns out they were dying. Two years after all that research came out about how many people were starting to believe, two years after that, churches were still up in attendance. Two years, about four years after God talked to me, attendance started to dip in churches. And it started with a real slow dip. And it was just a little bit. It was just kind of a, a leveling off and then a dip. And now it has increased, increased, increased. And now we are on a precipitous decline in the number of people. In fact, the major institutions that do research on this have had to redefine what it means to be a churchgoer because there's so few people now that will answer the question three or four or more. It's one time a month now. If you go one time a month, they call you a regular churchgoer. Now, sometimes they'll ask the question specifically because they want to know a little more detail, right? But you get the drift. I mean, things are happening, right? And they're not good. And that's what God told me. I'm desperately unhappy with the American church. And he said, I'm going to blow it up. Now, I want, to see, I want you to show something. I want you to see something. God said that to me before the financial crisis happened. Then the financial crisis happened. The church has lasted about another year and a half the same income that they had. When, when the market fell, when the, everything fell apart, church income did not fall for about a year and a half. And then when it fell, it fell precipitously across the board, all churches. The only churches that had more money was because they had so many more people that they were making up for what they lost per person. The point is, giving was dropping through the floor because of the economy. Everybody was poor all of a sudden, right? Couldn't refinance anything and buy anything, and then economic activity slowed down, and you get the point. But the point is, is now watch. A lot of churches at that point in time had to fire a bunch of those pros, a bunch of those professional staff. We actually had already been in a year-and-a-half-long journey trying to figure out what God was saying. And with Sam, because we listened to the Lord, because we were trying to be led by him and not the world and what was going on in the world, and what looked good in the world to the world's eyes, but what was actually God was doing, we actually were way ahead of that curve. And when the finances finally dropped, we had already, we had already done something. The first thing we did is we said, we need to return ministry to the people. What we started saying as a staff was we started saying, the pros are the problem. The reason why people aren't growing is because we've hired professionals to take care of the ministry. And some people are helping them do the ministry, but the person that's growing is the pro we hired. They're the one that's having to go to God and figure it out. Everybody else is just sort of doing a little something, and it's not actually growing them. And so the point is, is that we've, we've robbed the discipleship mechanism that God had in a church from the church. We would put it in the hands of the pros, and what God wanted you to do was minister, and when you ministered, that would grow you, right? That's what was supposed to happen. So we started returning ministry to the people, and then we started talking about it as a synagogue. We started saying, this needs to, a synagogue, if you have 12 families in a region, Jewish, and then they come together, they're a synagogue. And by the way, a synagogue can be a synagogue without a rabbi. Can you imagine there being a church without a pastor? Now, Jesus said he gives pastors to the church. A synagogue is simply 12 families or more, and those families are running the community. They're bringing lessons, and they're talking about things, and they're interacting, and they're growing together as a community, and they're doing the things that the community needs, raising each other up, which over time, over the years, 
And you hear this all the time from me. And I started thinking of family in a whole new light. What is a family? What is a family? What's the central, most important job that a family does? What is it? Love each other is really great. Actually, I love that, but I think it's a more fundamental thing. You're supposed to, no, that's more fundamental. But that's not the thing that they do, or I don't know how to say it. Give me another word than love. Support is great. But let me throw this one at you. Here's what a family's supposed to do. Raise people up. A family raises children. And by the way, that doesn't let the adults off the hook, because if they don't grow, they're supposed to grow too as they're growing other people. You know what a family does? As they love each other, as they support one another, they grow each other. What a family does is they grow each other. That's what a church is supposed to do, grow each other. Right? So here's what we did. We started, we started turning ministry to people. We started getting rid of pros. Uh, Troy Smith was the last one, and boy, was that hard for me because I just love Troy. But man, have we gotten some amazing things that have happened in worship since then. By the way, all of which Troy could have and would have done, but it just wasn't the paradigm we were working. He would have come in and done exactly what we're doing too, but leave that alone. But the point is, here's what we did. Now that we had no pros and we were returning ministry to people, we had a concern, which was, what if, we, what if we let go all these pros that were making things great, but it didn't actually grow people? How would we know that we were, how would we ever know that we were actually growing people? How would we ever know? So my daughter, Shalimar, was doing a master's program in industrial organizational psychology. Her class was doing a project here. And I told that group of people God provided for us, I said, would you please go out and find us a tool whereby we can take a snapshot of where we are now as we're first starting this process. It took us about a year and a half to two years to actually make the transition, figure it out as a staff, figure out what we were supposed to do. We didn't do it fast. And then we started rolling it out in the church. And right when we started rolling out in the church, we said we want to get a snapshot right now of how we're doing. And then we're going to get another snapshot two and a half years later, three years later, and we're going to see, did it work? Right? Now I want to show you this. When they went out and they looked and they found this thing called Reveal. And that was from Willow Creek. And here's where it comes from, real simple. Even before the crash, Willow Creek just said, how are we doing? Are we growing people? What are we doing? You know, how are we doing? And they thought they were doing really good. So they were kind of, they spent a million bucks on Gallup to sort of prove that what they were doing with secret sensitive churches was a good thing. And then they got back the unfortunate result, which was the people in the secret sensitive church says, I'm not growing. Now that really ticked Bill Heibel off. He said, what do you mean you're not growing? You know, and we made it clear Sunday morning was for people that don't know the Lord, seeker sensitive, but we got Sunday night and Wednesday night, we got all these programs, we got all these things. What do you mean you're not growing? And so for about a year, they sort of sat in that pocket of kind of going, what do you mean you're not growing? And then, and then they kind of, and Bill Heibel, God bless Bill Heibel. Bill Heibel has been one of the most important people in church, and, and his willingness to figure out and put his money where his mouth is and go after how to get things better. This is what this guy does. And, and God loves him, and I love him. And that doesn't mean we do church the same way that he does it. But i got to tell you, this guy's been such a bloody. And what Bill did is he said, let's spend another million dollars, and let's figure out what makes people grow. And then let's start doing that. So they spent another million bucks, and out of it they got this thing called Reveal. And they came out with a corresponding book with it called Move. And it was the results of $2 million worth of study in a very deep way with the people of Willow Creek. 
and so on. But the first thing you have to do is assess the church. So I'm going to show you right now the church assessment that we took in uh, 2000. We took it in April 2011, but really we took it in February, March. And so we didn't get the results back until April, so it was really February. Okay? Now, what I want you to see, this is one of the, there's a whole bunch of graphs I could show. I'm only showing you a few. But I want you to see this. What your people say are the top five priorities for Lake Sammamish Four Square Church. So this is the sort of broad category one. Then it breaks down into a whole bunch of different areas. But this is the broad category one, and there's two things you're looking for on this one. The first one is, look at one through five over here, and figure out whether or not these are consumeristic things or these are growth things. See? Promote strong serving culture. That's not a consumeristic thing. That's a growth thing. You want growth. You want... You want growth things, not consumer things. If a, church is, if a church has become all about, I like the way the preacher laughed, and I like the songs, then you're going to get, what, what's most important to them? The songs are really cool, and the pastor's really funny. See? And that's, there's those kind of questions in there. So promotes a strong serving culture, helps develop personal relationship with Christ. That seems kind of important. So you guys said it was. Church leaders model could be important. Provides compelling worship, yes. Provides a chance to grow with others. Pretty good ones, right? I mean, when I showed this to Callie Parkinson, the girl who helped write this book, uh, she said those are excellent. But now, I want to show you something. It's, the priority score is what's important, and it's a very complicated little algorithm that they do at what really is important. Okay? And what they do is they come over here, and what they say is, zero to four means you don't really have a problem. Things are good. People are growing, you're, they're happy, it's, it's, you're good. Four to eight means you need to work on it. Eight above, which there's lots of above, you can go to 15, 20, means you got a crisis, you need to fix this now. Now I want you to see, our work, understand there's about 30 different variables, and these are just the top five. So this is the highest score that we get in terms of priority, is a five point. So that's even on the low side of, you, you got an issue, you need to work on it, but even then it's on the lower side. You see that? So when they look at our, when they look at our results, when Callie looked at them, she said, you're in the top 25% of the churches in the nation already. So your results were good. You guys are doing a good job, okay? The things that you're doing, the way that you're doing them, it seems to be working. You're in the top 25 percentile of all the churches in the country. That we, and they tested thousands, Okay. And you can see it goes all the way down to 4.4. So there you go, right? Then, two and a half years later, which was actually almost three, because like I say, just the way the dates work out. But two and a half later, we took the test again to say, did it work? Can we find objective measurement that told us it worked? Now, just looking over here, chance to go with others, strong programs, helps me in a time of emotional need, church leaders model. Do you see the difference in these categories right over here? Do you see what's happened? What's happened is those really important that we identified the first time around, they're being taken care of so well that this is just what bubbles up. But here's what's important to look at here. Look at the scores. Do you see how much lower they are? In fact, let me just contrast them. Do you see how much lower they are on the right now? Remember, zero to four means you don't really have a problem. You're doing good. You're, you're making a difference. Do you see how well? So when Callie saw this, she said, she said, you guys were already high to begin with when she saw the second test. By the way, let me tell you something about the first test because this is important. That test cost about $4,000 to do. We didn't have $4,000 we were going to spend on something like that. 
I, I went in very hard to convince the council to do that, and we just didn't have that. We went to them. I talked to them, and I said, here's why we want to do it. We want to take a snapshot because we're going to do a discipleship thing. And they went, this is why we've spent $2 million. We're trying to find churches that care about young people. We love what you're doing. This is a fantastic idea. Here, take it for free. And they gave it to us for free. Okay? So now what happens is, when she sees our second set of results, she said, that's fantastic. She said, you've, you've you know, you, you guys, are, you were already good, and now you're really doing good. But now watch. Watch how good we were doing. And I can show you several different measurements and show this, but watch this one. Okay? This is just one of the breakouts. Okay, uh, what your people say are the top five priorities for serving at church. This has to do with serving, okay? Now, don't just for time's sake, I just want you to pop over to the priority scores, see what they are. We're just kind of doing a raw number thing. Now, that's pretty good numbers. See that? There's only one in the above four. All the rest are down there. Look at a .6. That's pretty good, right? How are you going to make that better? I didn't think you could make it better. But watch what happened the next time. It went to a negative 2.9. And I called up Callie and I said, what's a negative? Is that bad? That sounds bad. It seems like that would be bad. And she said, she said, I'll tell you what it is. And she said, we don't see it very often. She said, we have 30 measurements that we're making. So, so some churches, a lot of churches have some negatives way down in the list. But people never have negatives up high. Because that's the, you know, and what, the, what she said was, she said, it tells me two things. She said, the first thing it tells me is, a negative number tells me, you're exceeding the expectations that people have in this area. People think that you should be doing this, that it's important to them about serving, and you're exceeding what they expect. But she said, it actually tells you something more deeply. This is what we've learned now as we've worked this study. When you see a negative numbers in the top five, what that's actually telling you is that you're actually ahead of where people even think they should be. But they like it because you're growing them. You're bringing them things that they don't even know that they should have wanted, and now they're starting to do them, and it's growing them, and they like it, and so now you're exceeding the expectation throughout. That, we had four things that were positive numbers, and the other 26 or 27 were all negative. All meaning exceeding and growing. I don't know how big, how large the largest one got down to, but you can imagine it got pretty large. You see, here's, here's one other, let me just show you. Here's top five parties for serving those in need. One was just serving in general. Now, this is serving actually people in need. And look at on the right-hand side, our 2013 score. Two of them are negative. Can I say something? When we saw this result, you were around here. We celebrated this. Because we had taken some huge risk, and it cost us some people. And things happened, and, you know, it cost us some, you know, there was, there was costs in here, right? There was hard things. But, boy, we needed to celebrate what had happened and what God was doing here. And we did. We celebrated it when that happened. And, and I, I want to say it wasn't tempting just because of who we are. But it would have been easy to say, we're doing really good now. Let's just keep doing this. But that's not who we are, is it? Because what happened next was, as I started looking at it, and I started saying, this is good. And, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. 
and you guys, anybody who's involved in it knows we got a lot of work and we're still working on it very hard and we're coming up with different iterations to do better and so on. But the more I looked at this, the more I started seeing something which was this, the thing that we talked about in the intro. I started saying, move is really about is that you have an individualized fingerprinted journey that God has you on. And that as long as we're thinking about the cattle call that the church needs to do, the church is the problem. The way we should church, that it's not able to be individualized, is the problem. And so we started pushing and we started exploring. And can I tell you now, we're now in an area of research and thinking that I think God led us to very much, and I'm, we're not the only ones. You'll hear that in a second. But I want to tell you, there's very few people that are thinking a lot this way. They just aren't. They're just not there because, you know, they're just trying to make church work. And we don't give a rip about church. What we give a rip about is people. Here's what church is supposed to be. Here's how Jesus defines it. To equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, that's what church is supposed to do. But can I make something clear right in this right there? There is very much something that we do that God uses that makes a difference in the world, building up the body of Christ. We get it. There's very something. But does God need us to do that? Does the God who made all the galaxies, how many galaxies are there? We're in the Milky Way galaxy. How many galaxies are there? 100 million galaxies. So we're in a solar system. Billion. Okay, so, so think about how big God is, and then think about all the way down to quarks and so on that we're discovering in super colliders. Does the God who can make all that need you to do anything? Does he? Because the answer is no. He could do it just fine, thank you very much. So why does he do that? Real Because of what it does in you. Does it make a difference in the world? Does he allow you to make a difference in the world? Yes. But is that really what it's all about? No. It's about you. It's about he's trying to grow you to where he says a scripture that's almost a, you know, we could put it up over the door. I use it almost every week. We are God's masterpiece. What's a masterpiece? Is a masterpiece something that you take a picture or you make a painting and then you reproduce a thousand or 10,000 of them to put up in every Holiday Inn? Is that a masterpiece? What is a masterpiece? A one-of-a-kind one work. Something that is glorious in its uniqueness and distinction. Something that stands out as spectacular. That's what a masterpiece is. That's what you are. You're not in a cattle call. You're in an individualized, personalized journey that God has you on that is turning you into something utterly unique, fingerprintedly you and you alone. That's what God is trying to do with you. And so let me say it this way. I hope this becomes everybody's mantra. People don't exist to grow the church. The church exists to And this is what we've been getting wrong for so long. We, we, we say we're doing small groups because it grows people. But there's a church, and I love this church, and they call it Sticky Church. And that's the, the principle. They say, we found out that small groups cause people to stay at your church. Now think about that. Are they staying at the church because they're growing? Yes. But what's the real, what's the also impetus in there? It's growing the church. 
I don't care about the church. I love it because I love you. That's who I care about. This is all that I care The older I get, thank God, any ego that I ever had about what I wanted, about what an organization could do for me and make me feel like, is gone. Thank you, God. In fact, it's not just gone. It kind of makes me sick that I ever have had any thoughts like that. Right? That there was any ego ever in anything that I did in ministry. My God. I, where, where, did you, didn't you go to kindergarten, kid? Right? What should the church be about? Us. Growing us. Individually. Personally. Now watch how personalized God does this. We are in the cutting edge of where God's got us. I've been working on this idea of bringing ministry down to the individual. I went on a trip, and we looked at, I went to three different huge churches, and, and they were, it was supposed to be at discipleship, and I thought it was going to be something different than it was. But I went to these churches, and they were large churches about small groups, two of the three. And, and, when, and they were the first two. And I went to them, and I just went, I went, why are you stopping at small groups? Why is that your smallest unit that you're talking about? Why aren't you talking about the person? Because that seems like it ought to be the smallest per thing that you're talking about. That seems like what you ought to be growing the person. But you're doing this other thing, and it was kind of obnoxious. So I, I dialed back. And then I finally got to a church that you're going to be hearing a lot more about over the next year. But bottom line, they had totally rejiggered the church. They had to. They had to, to rejigger the church in order to make it about individuals. Why? Because the results we're getting are the results that we're perfectly designed to get. The reason why the church has gotten to the place that it's gotten to is because of how we do church. We're getting the results we're designed to get. And unless we destroy what we're designed, the medium is the message. It's, 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 come, it's creating the result that it should. And so we need to redesign what we've got so that it creates the results that God wants. The results that God does, the results that God wants, right? That's what we need to be doing. So, we've been working on this for four years. I've been working on it as much as I could in starts. God isn't, wasn't letting me get, and you're going to hear why he wasn't letting me get there. And here's what happened. About two years ago, we actually did a pilot with four people. We didn't announce or do anything. We just took four people. We had them go through. The first thing we had to do was figure out what, how can we measure where people are spiritually? How hard is that? Did we just ask, them, how you doing? What do you need? Is that what we do? Is there some way they can help people identify what's going on in them that they don't even know about? Right? Think about this. I don't know how bad to tell this story. Because there's a bad way of telling this story. I did something when I was younger with math that caused me to get an A in the class but I didn't actually learn the math. Somebody said cheating. Yeah, that's what I did. Okay? That's the bad way to tell the story. I cheated. Be honest. Now, you know who lost? Forevermore, I never had the basics of math in order to be able to do the higher math. I didn't understand the foundations, and so I didn't understand how to build the next part of it. And so math has been a continual struggle for me. The, the, and we're talking about just math. I can do that in my head. But we're talking about, you know, calculus and all non-differentials and so on, right? And that was always very, very difficult for me. And to this day, I still struggle with it and still feel like I'm missing something. 
I am. I didn't build my foundation right. I didn't let it get built like it needed to. Spiritually, you get the understanding, right? There's things that are going on in our life that we didn't really get, and we're supposed to be past, so we're not really dealing with, and it's not allowing us to grow because we don't really have the foundation. You see it? So the first thing we had to do is come up with a test, and all of a sudden, it took us like two years to realize we already had the test in this book for us. Not, the book didn't know that, and we didn't know that. But all of a sudden, we looked and we went, oh my gosh, if we just have people do this really simple little thing of circle little things, that tells you what you need to know because there's $2 million worth of research in these observations, and if people say I'm not there, they're not there. Unbelievable. Now we got a test. So we did a pilot program. We put four people in it. We put four mentors, and here's what the problem we found from the pilot program was. The mentors knew what was needed, but they didn't know how to teach it. They didn't know how to grow. They didn't have resources. They didn't know how to help the person grow in it. So it was pretty much you know, one or two of them worked and two or three of them didn't work. Right? Because we didn't equip the mentors. So now literally at the beginning of this fall in August, I came to the staff and I said, you guys know that this has been burning in my heart. I think this is the most important thing. I'm saying this. I think this is the most important thing I'll ever do as a pastor. I think this thing that God has me on, and I think I've done quite a few interesting things. But I think that this is the most important thing that I'll ever do. I really do. If we get this right. Now, how's it ever going to go out from Lake Sam? Who are we? We're nothing. But watch God. Watch this. So here we are trying to find this thing. We're living in a meeting. And what's happened before this is, is I kind of, we sat in an earlier meeting and I went, you know, the mentor thing is where we had a problem. We have to figure out some way to equip the mentors so that they have some resources. So what I did is, I, I, real, I remembered that, that Willow would come out with an app a long time ago, and I called him up to say, talk to me about the app, because we looked at it, but it was horrible, and we weren't going to use it. But I thought maybe we could steal some stuff from it. I would tell him that, you know. And I thought maybe we could get some stuff out of it. So, so I, I called him, and there was no more reveal. There was no more move. There was no more anything at Willow. Nobody knew where it was, the people that were there now. It was totally gone. I just kept calling and calling and trying to find people and just say, tell me, where's Callie right now? Tell me, where's Mindy? Tell me where these people are. And finally, I, I ran into literally an administrative assistant. She said, you know what, Mindy, one of the people that did all this, Mindy is a good friend of mine and I have her cell number. And I shouldn't give it to you. But you know what? I, I told her what, why I needed it. And she said, this sounds important. So she gave me Mindy's number. She didn't know what Mindy was doing. You know what Mindy was doing? She'd gone to a company in Boulder, Colorado, and they were starting a subdivision of the company taking this $2 million worth of resources. And what they were doing was putting together a way of equipping mentors and people to understand where they were in Christ and how to raise them to new places. And they had just started it. And they, they had already done one iteration with churches that went well, but there was a lot of learning on it. And the problem was, is what they said was, is these churches, we had to convince churches to let us do this. We didn't get it. I call them up right when they're doing iteration two, and I was literally sitting in a meeting with Amy and JJ and Wanda as we were working through how to do this, and John, and we were working through how to do this, and all of a sudden, I called Mindy and said, please call me back, and Mindy calls me back, and I got up out of the meeting, walked outside a meeting where we were talking about how to equip the mentors. And I tell Mindy what we're doing and why I'm calling her and what we're doing. And she said, wow. So we've been spending a year and a half, two years now, on putting together 
the exact resources that you need, the exact resources that you're looking for. And we've been having to convince churches to, to do this stuff, and I'm sure that some of them were willing. I'm, you know, not the only church that's hearing the Lord. But she said, I said, well, can we get in? And she said, not only can you get in, we are the first church to be going iteration two with them. We're doing, we're, we're beta, we're a beta of their beta on their iteration two. So let me tell you what that means. See, now for four years I've been trying to do this and God wouldn't let me. And now all of a sudden there's these phenomenal resources at every level of this. But let me tell you what this means. The people in this church that participate in this beta and then the people that do it again in January when we open it up to more, the people who do that are going to help design something which is going to be in thousands and thousands of churches in the coming years. I believe that once people see what this is, and they see how easy this is, and they see it designed well and done well and so on, I believe that every church is going to do the same thing Jared Roth did and say, why haven't we done this all the time? Why did, what did we miss that we didn't get this? And, we're going to, and the church, I think, is going to go from the cattle call, one size fits all, to a mentored experience where everybody's journey, unique journey, is being helped along. Now that's what happens when you listen to the Lord. It happens when you let the Lord lead you. He puts you right in the middle of something that's going to make a difference, not just for you, but for everybody. Okay? So with this substantial buildup, I'm now going to take you to this, it's going to take us like 10 minutes. And we're going to go through this little experience together. Reach down into your seat and you'll see a packet of stuff and you'll see a pen there. So reach down and pick it up. And by all means, make sure that you do this. Here's the deal. This is private. You keep this. If you cheat at this, you cheat yourself. It's like cheating at golf when you're playing by yourself. Okay? You can tell yourself you shot an 80, but you shot 120. You know, so stick with it. Okay? You'll want to know where you actually are. We're not asking for this from you. So this is private to you. Okay? Now don't read. Go along with me, would you? The first level of this. All right? Here we go. This is the spiritual continuum that they discovered with the two million bucks. They, they, they discovered that people fall roughly into four categories. Number one is exploring Christ. That is, I believe in God. There are people that don't believe in God, right? Lots of them. But this thing where he's, I believe in God, but I'm not sure about Christ. My faith is not a significant part of my life. So they're exploring Christ. They might be coming to church and so on, but they haven't accepted him as Savior and Lord. Okay? The second one is, I believe in Jesus, and I'm working on what it means to get to know him. So that means you're growing in Christ, right? Okay? Growing in Christ. Now there's a close to Christ. I feel really close to Christ. I depend on him daily for guidance. I would say that most Christians that have been going to church for two or three or four years, that's roughly where you're going to put yourself, right? But then look, they found another one. I find this fascinating. My relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in my life. It guides everything I do. You see that? Now, how do you know which one you're in? Do you just self-select? No. Watch this. Turn to the next page. 
how seven personal spiritual practices advance spiritual growth. And do you see them? In exploring Christ, they said, these are the four things that we found were critical for people that are exploring Christ to be doing, to have happening in their life. The next one, growing in Christ, things. The next one, to transition. You'll notice these are the transition from each one. If you want to go from exploring Christ to growing in Christ, these are the, three, the four things that will take you to there. Growing to Christ, then there's these things, then there's those things. So now here's what I want you to do. Please, again, be honest. Nobody's going to see this but you. Here's what I want you to do. Circle the ones that are true. And don't circle the ones that you're not there on. And think about it. If you're kind of there on it, but you know you could use some help on it, but you know you could use some help on it, then, then don't circle that one. Because that's an area you need help. If something's missing, right? And it'd be good to get that leg good. All right, now, while you guys are doing that, I'm speaking to people that are streaming right now. If you will go to the slider on our homepage, you're already watching the media window. If you'll just go to the sliders on the homepage, you will see a, 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 a slider there. Click on it. It'll open up. It'll be a, the title will be a clickable. Click on the, ti the, the title. That's going to take you to a document. It, it'll just have a couple of things on it, but you'll see a Word document attached to it. Click on that Word document. It'll open it up, and you'll have all of these things right in front of you, so you can do this at home, too. Okay? So uh, ask on the uh, chat line there if you didn't understand what I just said. But go to the home page, open it up. You've got to click through till you get to a Word doc with these pictures in it. Okay? All right. So is everybody filling this out? It should only take a minute or two. There's some repetition in here. Okay? But, but I hope everybody's filling out. Please. What? No, don't go to the next page. Just, just when you get done, just kind of raise your hand or something. How many people are done? If you have a question, by the way, go ahead, Mi Michael. What? Circle whatever you do and don't whatever you don't do. Just circle what you do and circle what you're, you know, isn't all the way there. Does that make sense? Becca, you look confused. What are you saying? Yeah, all of them. You do all of them across the whole page. Look at every one. If you're doing that, circle it. Find some in column, in the far column, some in the near column. Right? It'll be all over. Okay? But just circle, what, circle whatever you do and don't circle whatever you don't do. Okay? We good? Tell me when we're... Raise your hand. I need to see that we're pretty much done. When we're done, I know some people, yeah, we're, let's go, let's wait another second here. You know, if you don't go to this church, you can be doing this. It's just a fun thing for yourself. It'll help you discover where you are. It, you know, it's just a really cool thing. Like I say, $2 million worth of research helping you on this. Okay, we pretty good now? Hands again. Let's do hands if you need more time. Okay. We're almost there. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at what you circle and what you didn't circle. And I want you to pick the stuff that's the furthest to the left. See what I mean? Here's what we're doing. If you're if you're if you're if such as your golf swing. If you watched my golf swing, you would say, oh my gosh, that's not even the game. 
And then if you were a good golfer, you'd say, there's 32 things I could tell that person, but if I told him all 32, he would collapse. So I'm going to tell him the one thing that's going to make the most difference. That's what we're trying to find, the one thing that's going to make the most difference. Because later on, you'll have other things to work on, right? But there's one thing you can work on right now. So just look at it and go to the far left and then do this. You see the little gray, the gray thing down at the bottom right-hand corner? Look at that. Every one of those things that you just circled is in that gray thing, and they're ranked in the order of the most importance. So look at your far left, and if you have, say, two or three in your far left, then look at that ranking and say, which one do they say is the most important? You see that? And then take that thing and put a check mark by it. So you got a check mark by on that page. If, if, if you want, just take your farthermost left ones and say, which one do I want to work on? And just put a check mark by it, okay? Yeah, the circling is what you do. Checking is this is the one on this page I would work on. Boom, that's it. Check mark. Got it? Okay? What if you don't want to do one that's on that page? I think, I think you need to come to church next week and last week and, you know. <laughs> I understand. I got it. I got it. So, but go ahead and check it and go ahead and check another. You really, I think journaling might be the only thing that I would say maybe not because some people just aren't journalers. Okay? All right. Now, go to page two and do the same thing. Do we get it? Oh, yes, page three. The second one of the four graphs. This one is eight core beliefs and attitudes. If you see one on there that's, you know, vague, you don't understand what it means, ask me a question. I'll, we'll try and explain it so that you can circle the one that is, okay? So just, just walk through that again. Just take a look at them. There's, again, uh, apologies for the repetition. Uh, they're just saying what we discovered. And so we're just telling you, you know, if you already did that, then circle it all the way across. That's fine. Okay. I feel like I should be tap dancing up here right now. Just something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, somebody did that. They, they said we should have the Jeopardy music going on. And I said, no, we don't want to put people under pressure. I'm trying to make this a fun little exercise. I mean, this is simple, right? So circle what you do. Leave open what you don't do. When you get to the end of what you're going to circle and not, then take a look at the furthest left things. To look down there at those, look down there in this instance, there's how many of them? There's eight this time. Look down there and see what they prioritize. And then if that seems like the right one for you, check the one that's the right one for you on this page. Okay? I take it that that's somebody's phone, not a uh, hurricane warning, right? Okay? Yes? Both. If you do it, circle it. Okay? If you do it, circle it. It doesn't, some of them go across columns. You can just, you can just draw a circle around both columns if you want. You do, you do that thing. It doesn't matter where it is. You do it. 
You're good. And you understand everybody's everywhere on this. Go ahead, Andy. If you circle all of them, then yes. That's exactly right. We're going to have plenty of people in here that can virtually the entire page, if not the entire page. Okay? There's a lot of deep, mature people in here, and yeah, you're doing all this stuff. What's that? Yeah, sure. Understand, you guys, the, the, what they did, well, I don't want to talk while you're doing it. Slow you down. Okay? We're almost done. Turn to the next page. When you get done with the next one, turn to the next page. Okay? This one is the four spiritual activities with others that advance spiritual growth. And you'll see there's only four on this page that are prioritized. So when you get this, see a little quicker page for you. When you get done with it, put the one through four on there. I mean, not, don't put it on there, but look and see what the priority is. Remember to check one thing on each page. If there's something to check. If there's not something to check, don't check it. How many people are done with page three? Did we make it clear the thing that you're checking on that page is something that's uncircled, right? You're not checking something that you already do. What's that? Yeah, on every page, don't check something you circled. Because you're already doing that. You're good at that. We don't, you don't need to do this. See what I mean? You're already good at this. Okay? In fact, now do something else as you're doing this. Start looking at what things are you really good at? What things do you think you're good enough at, like devotionals or whatever, that you could actually put a square around that one? If there's something you think you could teach somebody else, that material, the Trinity, whatever. See what I mean? If you think you could teach that, put a square around it. Okay? So you got to check and uncircle. Thank you, Amy. That was a really important distinction. Okay? Now, we're on the, we're on the fourth page. Or if you're not there, don't worry. But we are, you know, the last cattle call thing I'll ever do with you. But we're doing all of this together, okay? Thank you. Thank you for the humor there, Jill. How six organized activities advance spiritual growth. Organized church activities advance growth. And you'll see there's six of them. Circle the ones you do. Now, like I say, if you're done with your test, go back and start squaring the ones you think you could really do help somebody with, if any. If there's nothing you think you could help somebody with, then don't. But if there's some things you think you could help people with, put a square around them. How are we doing? How many people are still on page two? How many people are on page three? 
How many people are on page four? How many people are done with page four? Good. So we're going to give it about a minute. That's with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years. So it might be longer. good? Now I'm going to start talking, so try and pay attention and finish what you're doing. Now, here's what I want you to do. On those four pages, you have at the most four checks, one on each page, okay? If you only have two or three, that doesn't matter, but go to the one that's, go to the, go to the ones, that, and now just take a minute with the Lord and just say, which of those two or three or four things do I need to work on? Does it feel like it would help me if I started working on that? Okay? You see that? That should be a fairly quick thing. Of those check marks, what's the one that I feel like would make a difference and I'd like to work on it? Okay? Journaling you don't want to work on? Fine. Don't pick that one. Okay? But Trinity or, you know, whatever it is. Okay? Now here's what I've just done for you. We've just done for you. As a church, we've helped you identify an area where the Lord is definitely trying to shore up your foundation. We've just helped you identify an area that the Lord is very much going to be working with you in in order to grow you. Okay? So keep your eye out for that. But now I want you to do something for me. And I hope everybody signs up for this. Understand, we're doing a beta test, so we can only pick 20 people. But we need a broad swath of people. We need people at different stages of growth. We need people different needs. We need people that are really taking this whole thing that they're developing and putting it to the test. So we'll be picking 20 people to go through this and 20 people to mentor somebody. And you might be somebody that's picked both to go through it as a, as a mentee, it's helping somebody else with something else. You see it? Because we're just working on one thing. Every, every person, we're not working on all the things you didn't get. We're working on one thing. And by the way, when we do this as the test, the people that go through this, you'll be taking a much more sophisticated version of what we just did that will help identify in much more detail where, where a foundation can use some shoring up. Okay? Very much more sophisticated than what we've just done. But this is kind of fun. This was easy. It was quick. Right? And I hope it helped everybody here. But here's the deal. Please take this card out now. Okay? You need this card. If you don't have uh, look around in the seat chairs. Are they in the seat chairs? Good. They're in the seat chairs. So pick out this card. And if you're willing to be a mentor or a mentee, if you're, uh, the terminology we're using is if you're willing to be a player or a coach. Okay? If you want to be a player or a coach, then do this. Circle roughly where you think you are. Remember the descriptions? It was on that front page. You can just turn to your things. And circle, are you exploring Christ, growing in Christ, close to Christ, or Christ-centered? Which one of these are you? We want to be able to report to them where you're self-identified. And the test should have helped you understand where you actually are too, right? So circle one that you think you are. And then I would like to focus on and for those of you who are doing this, and please, how many people are doing this? Would you raise your hands? I need to make sure I'm getting a lot of people doing this. 
Could you, could you, if you're, if you're not doing this, that's a lot of hands and that's great. But would you please, this is going to be really simple and low. This is going to be like an hour a week to work on this. This isn't going to be hardcore. Oh my gosh, I don't have time for this. We, we have excellent resources. So if you're, would you, you know, sign up to be a coach, sign up to be somebody that's being helped, please. I'm, I'm really hoping pretty much everybody fills this out. Okay. So that we really have a good selection. But here's the deal. In the areas that you checked, write down what areas you checked. Now, this part you are disclosing to us, right? We don't have your test, but you're telling us these are the areas I'd like to work on. And if you don't want to work on journaling, don't put it in there. Okay? Put in there the ones you want to work on. The, the test just told you, the little thing we did told you, here's what to work on. Now put in, write down two or three words there. These are the things I'd like to work on. And do them in order of importance. What do you think is most important? Or kind of circle the one that you feel most important about. Would you do that? Okay, we're almost. All right, now, if you'd like to help other people, remember when I asked you to do the squares around some boxes? Put that in there. What's the things that you can help somebody with? Okay, put those squares in there. We want, we're going to be putting some things together, and we'd like to know who you know. We'd like to know who you'd like to work with. So you see what it says? We'll be matching coaches and players. Feel free to suggest a couple of people you'd like to work with. Is there somebody that you know that you know what I mean? You think, yeah, I'd like to work with this. Or even as a mentor, I'd like to work with so-and-so. See what I mean? Now do circle, though. Tell us. Are you looking to mentor that person or are you looking to be mentored by that person? Somehow make us know that. Okay, so that we don't reverse it for you. Well, I didn't want help in that. So, you know, who, who would you like to help and who would you like, who would you like to have help you and who would you, who would you think would be good to help you? Does that, that make sense finally? And then... Just real quickly, write down your name, your phone number, your email so we can get in touch with you. Are you in a small? Because if you are, we might be matching up with someone in your small group. Who's in your threefold? Thanks for filling that out. And how long have you been a Christian? Because again, we need, to, we need to get a broad range of things. Now, how are we doing? Are we, how many people are, how many people still need another minute here? Okay. Ushers, could you come forward, please? We're not doing the offering just yet, but ushers, thank you for coming forward. Now, if you're willing to be in this, and we're going to be choosing this right now, so if you want to do it later, please fill it out, but we're choosing people now. We'll probably have some ability to choose some additional later, but I hope you're going to pass it, pass it in right now. So would you do me a favor? Pass these to those two aisles. If you're filling out a card, pass into the two aisles. You can fold it up if you want to keep it private, okay? But ushers, would you just pick up the cards going down the two aisles, okay? And yes, you can go down. You can pick it up right there if you want, okay? Okay? 